you're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. This week, we continue our three-part series covering the mission, vision, and culture of the church for the next year with a message from Pastor Megan Wood titled, On Mission. Let's check it out. Good morning. I hope we're all doing well this morning. I'm so excited to be here. Is everybody back into the swing of things now that it's fall, kids are back in school, everything kind of just slows down? I hope so. That's kind of how it's been at my house. We've been really just kind of enjoying getting back into the swing of just routine. Um, We always look forward to summer, but we also always look forward to the fall once we get into summer. So part of our fall is that every year we launch our vision and mission for the year. So we do our series, Vision, Mission, Culture. And we started this last year. If you were here, you'll remember what we talked about. We talked about our mission statement as a church. We talked about being faithful and effective people. We talked about what that looked like for our church. We talked about next steps and things like that in our church that we were going to celebrate All of those things are still true and still things that we really uh, want to see in our church. But we wanted to add something to that, something to that faithful and effective piece. And we believe that it's already a part of it. We're just kind of saying it. So we talked about last week about being faithful and effective beyond Sunday. This is what we want to see for our church is we want to be faithful and effective beyond Sunday. And the first part of that last week was Tom talked about transformation. He talked about how faith impacts every area of a believer's life, right? That we should be continuously transforming, that that is part of our faith with Jesus is that we live a transformed life and we continue to grow in our relationship and grow in who we are. This week, I want to talk about being on mission beyond Sunday and what being on mission looks like for all of us Monday through Saturday. I think that that is something really valuable as part of the church is what the rest of our week looks like. So we're going to do that today. I would really encourage you, just a a bit of a plug, is that every single Tuesday we do a leadership podcast. We have a staff meeting and we record um, our leadership podcast. And Tom did an incredible podcast this last week, and it was on Beyond Sunday in leadership. And so I would encourage you to jump on there, listen to it at some point in time this week, because it was really good. Next week, we're going to be doing a panel, which I'm really excited about. It's the first one that we have done since we've been here. We're going to be having a few people from our church that are going to be on this panel, and they're going to answer some of these questions of what it looks like to live beyond Sunday. So when we talk about the church, we know that it isn't simply just a location, right? That we don't just go to church, but we are the church, right? Each and every single one of us are the church. Church is not just something we do, but it's who we are. It's part of who we are. And when we take it beyond Sunday... It transforms our week. And if it is part of who we are, it should be living outside of a Sunday. See, a church living beyond Sunday will require that the church looks beyond Sunday. We have to look beyond Sunday if we're going to say that we are beyond Sunday. Right? Pretty straightforward, right? If we're living beyond Sunday, we got to look beyond Sunday. A church living beyond Sunday will require us to live on mission. We have to be able to live on mission to look outside of Sunday or else the weeks will just happen to us. The days will just happen to us. When we're living beyond Sunday, we're living with purpose. We're living in an eternal purpose and perspective. So our mission as a church is leading individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. 
This is our mission statement that you can find on our website. It's a mission statement that predates Tom and I. But our mission statement, part of that mission statement is to lead others. It's to impact others. We talked a lot about yet last year about the becoming part of it, about becoming faithful and effective. And this year, we want to talk about the leading others to become faithful and effective. That part of our mission statement is that we are actually going out to others. The transforming piece is important. It's important that we're transforming ourselves so much that we spent last weekend talking about that piece. But we need to see our mission also as leading other people. If we want to be faithful and effective beyond Sunday, we all individually need to be on mission. All, every single one of us. A church on mission requires individuals on mission. A church on mission requires individuals on mission. I read this this week in the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. This is what it says. It says, through his teachings, Jesus made clear that his mission was to continue after he ascended. Each of the Gospels and Acts contains an account of his mandate to his followers, telling them to go to all the world, make disciples, baptize them, and preach the Gospel. Jesus assumed that the church would reach out beyond itself. This commission made a dramatic change in the emphasis of mission. Instead of looking to foreigners to come to Jerusalem, as did the Old Testament, the church's mission is to go into the entire world and not wait for the world to come to it. Not just selected prophets like Jonah, but all the believers were to go and tell what they had seen with others. We have to understand that the mission is God's mission and that God wants us to be a part of it. It isn't a solo mission. And the God's mission didn't just start in the New Testament. God's mission was from the beginning. We see God's mission in Genesis. We know that with Adam and Eve, that sin separated us from God. We know this. And ever since sin separated us from God, his mission has been to restore our relationship with him, to repair what is broken. God's mission was us. It continues to be us, his people. We see God partnering with his people. God isn't just doing this mission on his own. He brings others into the mission with him. He asks people to help him achieve this mission. So you see this in Genesis where it says, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. See, God is preparing a place. You see that in the scripture, that he's preparing a place for Abraham and his people. That the second thing we see is God will bless Abraham and Abraham will bless others. That by blessing Abraham, Abraham will then go on to bless others. And the third thing is, God will use Abraham to reach the world. And this is, wasn't just a mission for Abraham's time. This was a mission for all time. See, God's mission was Abraham. But God's mission was also the people Abraham would reach. And then God's mission was the whole world. And then we see that God continues to reinforce this promise to Abraham. In Genesis 15, it says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? 
Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Those stars represent us as well. And then in Genesis 17, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. In other words, the words, the mission is the world. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. He's talking about inheritance there. So God is reiterating throughout each of these passages his desire for relationship with Abraham and the entire world. His promise and covenant is to care for his people and to multiply them, to make disciples. We see that the Old Testament mission was to create a place for God's people to be and live in connection with God. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. We see this with the tabernacle, with the temple. We see this with the nation of Israel, that God was creating a space where his people could dwell and where people who wanted to know God and be with God and understand God could come into that community. And then we jump into the New Testament. The Great Commission is a, is a part of a continuation of God's mission. It isn't the start of the mission, but a continuation. In Matthew, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus spent his time on earth Continuing God's mission. He spent his whole entire time on earth going after the one. Going after those who had been outcasts and bringing them in. And now he's commissioning and empowering the disciples to go and do likewise. See, the Old Testament's mission was to bring people into the circle. If you can imagine a circle, a safe circle, a safe circle where everyone believes the same, everyone's gathered together under the same mission, the same vision, the same set of ideals. That's what the circle represented. And in the Old Testament, that meant that others could come into the circle. But the circle existed for us to stay in the circle. But once Jesus enters this picture and he initiates the new covenant, it becomes about going outside of the circle to share the good news. We're no longer waiting around for people to come into the circle, but we're going out of the circle. And we're telling people that we have good news for them. That God is for them just as much as he is for me. 
We're telling people the mission of God is them. And that God's mission is, is eternal. So what does that mean for us as a church? That means that we have to go beyond Sundays. We have to be about our Mondays through Saturdays. Because this is the circle. We have to go outside of the circle to reach people. That's what Jesus is talking about. God's mission has always been and will continue to be restoring people back into relationship with him. And there is something within us that always knew this. In Ecclesiastes 3, 11, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. That he has placed eternity in every single one of our hearts. That before we even knew it, we had a desire for God. That it was planted in us because we were created by God for God. This means that there are lots of people out there who also don't know. They don't know yet. They feel that inside just like you did before you made that decision to follow God. They feel it, but they may not recognize it. And we don't know how God is working all things out, but he is because that's his mission. It's God's mission that everyone would know him. That is God's mission. So as we're going out into the world and we're living beyond Sunday, it's our mission too. Because God's mission is my mission. God's mission is my mission. Let's pray for a second. God, I just thank you, God, so much, God, that you are God, that mission is us. God, that you planted eternity in our hearts. God, that you have chosen us to work alongside of you for the same mission, God. And I just pray that as we're spending these next few minutes together, God, God, that you would just begin to place on our hearts people that we could be reaching out to and the things in which we could do to reach out to people. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's mission is my mission. This is not a call for volunteers to help us accomplish our ministry at church. So this is not me standing up here saying, if you didn't join a team, join a team. If you're not in a life group, join a life group. If you're not, that's not what today is about. Yes, there will be other Sundays where we talk about that. But this is about beyond Sunday. This is about our day-to-day -day lives. Living out the mission of God in whatever sphere of life he's placed us in. Because God has placed us all in a different spot for a purpose beyond the obvious purpose. It's of an eternal purpose. This is what Chris Wright says. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. And then John Stott says, Mission arises from the heart of God himself and is communicated from his heart to ours. Mission is the global outreach of the global people of a global God. We are made for God's mission. The mission is reaching the world. And God has placed eternity in our hearts. He has given us an eternal perspective. We can't help but focus on our eternal purpose and mission when we understand it was God's mission that reached us. We are all here because of God's mission. And we are all here because others joined in God's mission. We can't help but join God's mission when we understand that it was his mission in the first place that reached us. 
God wants me to be a part of his mission. He wants me. He wants me to join in what he is doing. So here are a few things that we can learn about part of God's mission. First thing is, we are a community. We are a community. Through the whole Old Testament, we see that God building a community. We see that with Abraham, right? He tells Abraham to go out into the world and that he's going to make descendants. We see this time and time again with the kings, with the prophets, with the temple, with the tabernacle. We see a gathering of people into a community. When Jesus came and launched the church, this rapidly expanded and grew beyond anything anyone expected. In Acts 2, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, Luke is giving a recap of what is happening in the early church. It's a summarization of what seen. And what we see here is a church that isn't just showing up to show up. It says they sold their possessions to make sure somebody had something they didn't have. It says that they were generous. It says that they had, they just wanted to worship every single day. It says there were miraculous signs that were happening. That this was a church that was living beyond Sunday. They were eating together. They were living together in a community. And then it says that God added to their numbers daily. And I could be reading into this, but it also makes me wonder... Was this overflowing out into the community? So were they not just helping each other, but were they helping others? And because they were helping others, others started coming into the community because they were reaching out. I don't feel like that's a far stretch because, again, we know that Jesus had commanded them to go out and make disciples. So I believe that they weren't just doing this for their own. So the definition of a community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Another one is a unified body of individuals. As a community, we come together with the same goals and the same mission, and we are unified in what matters. So when we come together as a community, we may go throughout the rest of our week being around people who maybe aren't like-minded. That is our mission field. But when we come together in this space and when we come together with each other, we are like-minded and we are unified because we are a community. Because our goal is God's mission, we are gatherers of people. And we want to invite people into our community. We are not exclusive. We don't stay inside our circle and hope that people will come in. We leave our circle and we go out and gather people because we understand that that's God's heart. And we see this in Acts. We see this in Acts that they were bringing people in and that God was transforming them and others' lives because of the community that they had set up. So I want to talk about community versus organization for a second. See, an organization is similar to a community. 
in that it has goals and objectives that are similar, right? That we come, an organization comes together under the same goals and objectives, the same with the community, come together under the same goals and objectives. But in an organization, if someone was to go missing or someone left the job, they would just find someone to replace them and they would keep doing what they were doing. In a community, when someone goes missing or absent, we will, may find someone else to continue the work that they're doing, but that person will continue to be missed. Because people matter infinitely more than what they can do for us. That is the difference with a community. People matter. In an organization, the task is the most important thing. But in a community, the people are the most important thing. Reaching people is the most important thing that we do. Letting people know that there's a loving God who loves them and cares for them and desperately wants to be in relationship with them, that is community. Community is not being happy when we just keep the same crew of friends around us. When we look around and we see the same people every week, community is saying we need more people. We need more people. We need to gather more people into this circle. We need to bring more people in. We need to go out to get more people. And as a community, we all work together towards this mission, the mission in reaching people. So number one, we are a community. The second thing is we are all co-heirs and co-laborers. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. What it's talking about here is the field is God's church. We are God's church. And we're meant to be co-workers in his service or in his mission. That as a church, we serve the mission of God. And we work together to achieve that mission. We are meant to work for God's mission. Meant to be workers, not observers. In Romans 8, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Being a part of the family means being a part of the family business. Being a part of the family means being a part of the family business. It means that we were all adopted into the family of God. Therefore, we are part of God's business, his mission. You know, I'm sure that like many of you, I've seen this in action. I remember that... Um, now, a few years ago, Tom and I were staying at a hotel in Jersey, and when we were at this hotel, um, when we went to go check in, there was a 15-year-old there working the counter, and when we came up, he, had, he was kind of turned around, and he was working on his homework, and then he jumped in, and we were just talking to him, and it turned out that this was the family business. It had been passed down from generations. They were in the hotel business, and so what he would do was he would come home from school, and he would work in the family business because that was what you do. So he would be working on homework as well as doing the family business. And I'm sure that you've also seen this like in restaurants and family restaurants, right? Where everyone comes together to make the restaurant happen. My children are at church probably more than your children because that's what we do when we are in a family business. People who come to church and do well, it's because they have been grafted into the community. 
It means they have become a part of the community and embraced the mission of the community. You can choose to be kept on the edge, and some do, but you lose that. And people oftentimes struggle to find their place in the community and sometimes struggle with their faith when they won't become a part of the community that they are fully invited to be a part of. In the Expositor's Bible Commentary, it says, A final truth about adoption is that it involves an inheritance in line with current legal provisions that enabled even a slave. Once adopted to inherit his master's possessions, Paul teaches that the Christians follow a similar course, a slave to sin, a child, then an heir. How unexpected and how breathtaking is the gracious provision of God. The marvel increases with the news that we are co-heirs with Christ. Sharing his sufferings may be looked at as simply the cost of discipleship. Yet, it has a brighter aspect because it is the prelude to partaking with him of the coming glory. So, one, we are a community. Two, we are co-workers and co-heirs of Christ. And three, we are faithful and effective with our mission when we look beyond Sunday. We are faithful and effective with our mission when we look beyond Sunday. Acts 20, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We have eternal purpose, which looks beyond what we can see. Our eternal purpose looks beyond the busyness of life, the craziness, the distractions in life. It looks beyond that. There are people around us that, that we could meet their needs despite our circumstances. We, we all are busy. We all have things going on in our life, but there are things that we all can do. Chris Hodges says, but the real test occurs not on Sunday mornings or whenever you attend church, but day in and day out as you live, work, parent, drive, shop, cook, minister, and everything else you do on any given day. And you'll rarely have success living out your faith and exercising your spiritual freedom if it's just you and God. He made us in his own image as relational beings. So it's no surprise that change happens in us within the context of our relationship. We have to go out. We can't just keep it to ourselves. We can't just give ourselves pats on the back because of our own relationship with God when there are people out there who don't have a relationship with God. I know people that, and stories that really have inspired me. We have some friends in New York City that we knew when we were living there. And their story is one of my favorites because their next door neighbor, she was this incredible lady, but she, did, she didn't come to church. And for a long time, they just built this relationship as neighbors. And then she ended up with cancer. And then she ended up with cancer again and again. And they just kept on supporting her and taking care of her and bringing meals over and doing things like that. And then one day she showed up at our church. And it was in that moment, her life was transformed. The next thing I knew she was bringing her family, her kids, her husband, her brother. And then she was bringing neighbors and friends. All because of that simple thing of just being a good neighbor. It wasn't because they were going next door with tracks or saying, you need to know Jesus. It was because of those little things that they did. Another friend of ours, he came to our church because of a childhood friend. He had grown up with this friend and knew that this friend was a Christian. And he himself had gotten sucked into drugs and stealing and all these things. And one day decided, my life has to change. So what did he do? He picked up the phone and he called this friend. This friend wasn't even living locally. They were living all the way in London. And his friend picked up the phone and said, yeah, I've got a great church for you. 
And he ended up at our church because of that. Talk about waiting a really long time. But that's the faithful part of it. And then it turned effective, right? The faithfulness and effectiveness. Pastor Randy, there are many people that are here. I know there's more than one person that comes to our church that is here because Pastor Randy plowed your driveway. I love that. Just faithfully plowing driveways. It's because of those things. We all have a place where we can do that and all have a need that we can meet. You might be someone's answer to prayer. We all have loved ones that we are hoping will come to Jesus, that will come to know God, that we can't quite reach maybe because we're too close. And we're praying desperately that somebody else will come alongside of them. You could be that answer to prayer for somebody else. God wants to use us in the lives of our neighbors and our coworkers, the parents at our sporting events, the grocery store clerk, the hospitals, the doctors. In the going, God wants to use us. I know there are people in this church that are praying that, praying for somebody to come alongside of them. I've spoken to a few of you that have let me know that they're waiting for children to come home, to come back to God. And my prayer is that somebody will be the answer to that prayer. But as a church, we can be that answer to somebody's prayer. It requires us to look beyond the busyness of life and the craziness and just look, be looking for it. Not waiting for it just to show up on our doorstep, but looking out for it and sometimes inconveniencing ourselves. So when Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When you are going about your life, this should be a part of what you do. It should come naturally because it is who you are. As you are going about your life, make disciples. Only you have the sphere of influence that you have. I can't go into your job with you in the week. I can't go to your neighbors in the week, but you can. And it says here, that Jesus has given you all authority to do those things. And he promises to be with you. In Titus 3, it says, Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent need of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Even the smallest gesture can be the most significant to somebody else. Even the smallest gesture can be the most significant to somebody else. I'm sure, like me, you have many stories of where somebody has come up to you and said, that meant the world to me. And you're like, just that? That was nothing. You have no idea the impact that you are making by just being who you are and by just going into your community. One, we are a community. Two, we are co-heirs and labors of Christ. Three, we are faithful and effective with our mission when we look beyond Sunday. Another quote from Chris Hodges is, we all want that sense of significance found in achieving something bigger than just monetary or material success because we are eternal spiritual beings. We yearn to create an eternal spiritual legacy. We all want more. We want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves because we are eternal beings with an eternal purpose. We all crave it. Sometimes it doesn't always feel good in the moment. Sometimes it means, you know what, I have a lot going on this week. I don't know if I can quite fit it into my schedule, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sometimes it looks like that, but on the other side, the feeling of fulfillment that you get is like nothing else. 
because you're learning out your or you're living out your eternal purpose. So what does this mean for our church if we are faithful and effective beyond our Sunday? So what does that mean for us? It means the church will never be the same. It won't be another Sunday or something to check off our list of obligations. It no longer becomes part of our scheduled to-dos. It's more than that. Sunday will become a culmination of our Monday through Saturday and will launch us into our next week. It'll become a part of what we are already doing throughout the week. It'll, it'll be like the buildup to all of that. We will recognize our passion and purpose is to connect people with God. We will recognize that within ourselves and we will look for it. We will refuse to sit still or to be idle. We won't be comfortable being comfortable. We will look at being comfortable as a sign that we aren't being effective. If we are being transformed, we cannot help but want to help others find the loving Father who has transformed us. We can't help it because when you understand what God has done for you, you can't help but want to help others feel that and know that too, right? You want to see other people transform the way that you were. Living beyond Sunday will ignite lost passion, lost purpose, and lost dreams, or fan the passion, purpose, and dreams we already have. A transformed people is a transformed church. If we are transformed as individuals and we are living our Monday through Saturdays beyond what we do on a Sunday, we will be a transformed church. Our community will know us for what we do and the needs that we meet. When they say, oh yeah, that person, yeah, they go to Word of Life. Yeah, I've heard about that church. The people in the church, they really do care about people. They really do. They really go above and beyond. They're not just about their church. They're about the community. So what are some of the things that we're already doing as a church? We're giving out backpacks. We gave out backpacks earlier this year. 40 backpacks to kids who didn't have backpacks. We just had Fall Fest. And one of my favorite things about Fall Fest was standing at the doors there and everyone bringing their neighbors up to me and saying, hey, have you met my neighbor? Hey, I brought my neighbor with me. That's incredible. That's awesome. And then they, not only did they show up, some of them came back. And then not only did some of them come back, some of them raised their hands for salvation. How cool is that? Those are the things worth celebrating. That's the beyond Sunday. That's you going out and saying, this is something I can bring my neighbor to. Over a hundred more people than last year attended our Fall Fest. There were 90 kids in our children's ministry, in Life Kids. That is more kids than we have had since Tom and I have been here. There were 102 of you that stepped up and helped make that event happen. Can we give each other a hand for stepping up and being a part of that? And then we have Carols and Coco coming up. If you were part of Carols and Coco last year, you know that that was incredible and way more than what we anticipated. And then the Christmas tree lighting, you may not know that we did this last year, but we handed out free hot cocoa at the Beeville Christmas lighting, tree lighting, and that was also incredible. And then we have Easter Feaster in which we have games and activities and family things for our community to come to on a Saturday. We are looking for opportunities to reach out to our community, but we need you. We can't do it on our own. We need you to be a part of it. This is what we imagine for Word of Life, is a church known for going out, not just staying in. A church where everyone steps up, that everyone is, feels the mission of God on their own life. 
And I believe that through that, you will feel more fulfilled. You will feel just this sense of purpose because you're living out the purpose that God has on your life. We will not be a church that sits by and waits for the people to come. That is not the purpose of the church. Our purpose is not to wait. Our purpose is to go out. And our jobs as pastors is to equip the church to go out and make disciples. I remember that, you know, in the Assemblies of God, when you become ordained as a minister, one of the things that they do in that ordination service is talk about your duty as an ordained minister is to equip the saints. If we aren't equipping you to go out and to disciple others, then we're not doing our job. As a church, we want to go out into our community. That is what we see when we want to do everything we can that every person in the church community can go into their day-to-day lives ready and equipped to make disciples. If we live our Monday through Saturday like we are on a mission, it will transform our Sunday services. So here are a few questions for you to think about as we go throughout the week. The first thing is, whose need can you meet right now? Think about your community. Think about all the different areas of influence that you have. Whose need can you be meeting? Second thing, are you a part of the community or are you on the outside? Are you a part of the community? Or are you kind of just drifting on the outside? We want you to be a part of our community. We want you to be a part of the community. The third thing is, God is God's mission your mission? Are you in the family business? Is God's mission your business? Or is it your mission? Because God's business is your business and being a part of his mission. So maybe you're in here today and you're saying, God's mission, I've never heard it like that. Maybe, or maybe you have, but this time at first, it just stood out to you that God's mission has always been me. And maybe you haven't done that first step yet of being grafted into the family of God. We talked about that verse from Ecclesiastes. We talked about eternity being in our hearts. And maybe you've been feeling that pull. Maybe you've been feeling like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I've been searching and searching and searching, and I haven't been able to find it quite what it is, but that makes sense. That God placed that in me because he wants a relationship with me. If we would go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads this morning, I would love to pray for you if that is you, whether you're online or in person. If you know today that you have that feeling of, yes, God has more for me than what I've been living, that I haven't made that decision to make God king in my life, I haven't made that decision to follow him, but I want to do that today. I want to pray with you. So while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, and if you're online with us, I want to pray with you as well. If you're online, you can go ahead. You can click that raised hand button. But if you're in person with me, if you wouldn't mind putting your hand up so I can see you and pray with you this morning, I would love to do so. I'm going to start over on my right, your left, and I'm going to make my way across. Yes, I see you. making my way to the center of the room. Mm -hmm. And across to the left. I don't want to leave anybody out. If you'd raise your hand this morning, I would love to pray with you. It's the best decision that you could ever make. It is what you were created for. Yeah see you. Who else can I pray for? All right, we're going to go ahead and pray. Church, can we give a hand for those people who put their hands up?
and those online. I want us all to pray this prayer together. If you would just repeat after me, we're gonna pray together. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I wanna follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I wanna leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And then before I bring out our host, James, I wanted to do one more thing. Well, everybody's heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you're in here today and you're, you would say, I just need some prayer to go, to have the courage to go in to those areas of my life, to this, my spheres of influence, that maybe it's been fear holding you back or you're not quite sure what to do so you haven't felt like you can or felt equipped. If you, that's you, if you would just raise your hand, I would love to pray with you this morning. And if you're online, we'd love to pray for you too. Yes, several hands going up this morning. Yes, I wanna pray with you this morning. God, I just pray right now, God, that as we read those verses on the Great Commission, God, God, that we would know that we are equipped, that we are equipped to do the things which you've asked us to do. God, I pray that you would just give us opportunities this week, God, opportunities, God, that uh, would be so obvious to us, God, that we would just step out into those opportunities, whether it's just saying an encouraging thing to someone, whether it's bringing a, a meal to someone, or whether it's just saying, hey, I'm praying for you, or hey, can I pray for you? Or if it's taking someone out to coffee just to chat because they need someone to just chat with them. God, I pray that you would give those opportunities. God, I pray that we would be filled with confidence, with boldness. God, that it says that you will be with us. We know that we have the Holy Spirit who is the helper that goes with us. And God, I pray for that right now, God, for confidence. God, I pray that we would see the Holy Spirit working in us and telling us what to do and leading the way. In Jesus' name. Amen.